Father, we thank you so much for your truth and your word and those promises that we're singing about. We're not just going to sing about them. We believe we're going to see them come true today. We believe you brought us here not just to hear a word or get motivated, but to truly change lives. Like to truly do something in and through us. God, can we just be real and say that there are things going on in our lives and in our hearts that aren't where we want them to be? That there's hurt going on in our lives that we really don't want to deal with and that we wouldn't wish on anybody, but yet here we are, ready for a word, ready for life, ready for something new. I love that word, new. Someone here came for something new. God, let your word come alive in a new way, in a fresh way. We're going to give you glory today. We're believing in big things today, like miracle things today, God, because that's the God that we serve. That's the God that you are. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. As you have a seat, turn to two people and tell them, you're looking good. Tell two people, you're looking good. They might not even be looking good, but it's okay to fib a little bit in church. I mean, especially when you're building somebody up. You're looking good. You are looking good, church. I tell you what, you know, when I was in eighth grade, I never dreamed that I would be starting on the varsity wrestling team for the town that I grew up. Now, I don't want to stand up here and brag, but I will. I'm just kidding. So uh, here's the deal. I, I started varsity wrestling as an eighth grader. Not because I was that good, let's just be honest. It was because I was wrestling 98 pounds, and there wasn't a lot of, a lot of 98 pound kids, okay? In fact, I wrestled 98 as, a, as an eighth grader and a freshman. So you, quite the, yeah, quite the incredible Hulk up here. So 98, I think I had to beat, when I was in eighth grade, I had to beat out a couple seventh graders, and I did it. And I could literally weigh in with my clothes on, holding a bowling ball, and still make 98 pounds. I was a runt. But uh, I'll never forget my first tournament, being a wrestler in eighth grade, varsity tournament. So we had to get up really early, and I was already in trouble because I'm not a morning person. But we had to get up really early, get on a bus, and go travel two and a half hours for this tournament. And I'm nervous because I never really, again, one of my first ones. And we get there, and I'm kind of out of it. I'm tired. And my coach comes out of this room where they meet and talk about who's going to wrestle who. And he comes out, he says, Monty, um, really excited that you know, you're here, and here's, here's the seating, and you're going you're gonna to wrestle the kid seated number one. And I'm like, well, that's not, that's not good. So and I, I, I knew the kid, I, I knew the, recognized the kid's name because he'd won uh, state, youth wrestling for state in youth multiple times. So I'm like, I was completely deflated. I'm like, seriously, got out of bed at six in the morning, got my butt on the bus, traveled two and a half hours to get my butt kicked in a tournament. I, this isn't fun. I don't want to do this. And I was all bummed out. Like, I had a better chance, you guys, that day of getting struck by lightning inside that building than I did of beating this kid. There's no chance. None. But my coaches, you know, like any good coach, they're going to encourage you. And they're like, Monty, you got it. Before, right before my match, you can take this guy. And I'm thinking to myself, you're a liar. There's, I have no chance. There's no way I'm taking him anywhere, okay? And, uh, but, but they were trying to motivate me, and I was, out, I was kind of out of it. Like, I was tired, and I was demotivated. And uh, my coach is like, you need to wake up. Come on, you need to get with it. And he reaches in, and this is, this is true. Like, I, you think I make this stuff up? Man, I'm, I've lived a dysfunctional life. My coach, by the way, my coach probably should have been arrested. He, he reached into an athletic bag and crushed something, and he goes, sniff this. True story. 
true story. And I didn't even question him, which, what does that make me? I'm like, yeah, sure, give it here. So I'm like, and, he's, and I was like, <coughs> about threw up. I'm like, what is that? And he was smelling salts. I don't know if you ever heard of smelling salts. I, I'd never heard of it before, but he literally shoved that in my nose to wake me up. Is that even legal, Casey? I could probably sue this guy. I don't know. It's, it wasn't. But I tell you what, the energy, I was like, I'm like, I felt like I was like the Hulk. I'm like, yeah. I felt like Thanos with the final infinity stone. It was like, boom. I mean, I went out there. The referee blew the whistle. I shot in on this kid. The state champion took him down. I took him down. Like, I was in shock. Yeah. So I'm on top, and I'm looking at my coaches, and they're looking at me, and I'm like, oh, my God. And they're like, keep wrestling. It's not over. And I'm like, ah. But I was so excited. And, uh, I mean, I would, I would tell you how that match ended, but I don't want to, okay? Let's just leave it where it is, okay? I took him down, baby. So, but what I, what I want you to know is, I needed a wake-up call. Like, like, my coaches were literally like, come on, get with it. They're doing whatever they can to wake me up. This is our wake-up call. Like today, like who's this message for? Let me tell you. It's for anybody who you feel like you've been like drifting in life. Not really, it's kind of like, eh. It, you know, it's just kind of a lull. Kind of a rut. Kind of like there's no fire. There's no, like you're, you may not even know what the, what the purpose is. This is for you. This is going to fuel you. This is going to inspire you. Like this is going to remind us why, why we're called to do what we do. Like, that's why we call this, this, this message end game, because we're in the end game. Turn to two people, say you're in the end game. Tell two people, you're in the end game. The end game. The series is called Get in the Game. And what is the end game, God? What is the goal, Jesus? Why are we here? Jesus is going to show us. I am so excited. So well, I'm going to teach out of two passages. The first one's in Matthew. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the beginning of the New Testament. They all tell the story of Jesus' life, okay? So that the, they're called gospels. That word literally means good news. So that's the story of Jesus. In Matthew 9, 35, that's where you can kind of go, okay? I'm going to be there in a second. As you're going there, and if you don't have a Bible or a mobile app, man, we want to give you one. If I, if, if I can encourage you to do anything, get into God's word. Man, it'll change your life, I promise you. But if you don't have it, I mean, we're gonna, we'll put these up on the screen in a second. But as you're going to Matthew 9, I need to share with you that my family and I um, did something life-changing yesterday. We, we went to our first Huskers game. So, yeah, yeah. Dude, it was crazy. They, they surprised me. They, they took it to Alabama. They did. They, anyway, some of you got that. They, they, they beat Alabama. Um, South Alabama. But they beat Alabama. And uh, it was amazing. We, uh, we went there. We drank the Kool-Aid. It was red. It was amazing. It was, it's totally a cult, and I, I'm bought into it. So um, we go there, but I did need Jesus because the traffic, I mean, it took me backwards in my walk with Jesus big time. So um, it, was, it was testing and trying, but it was fun. And uh, it's, it's interesting because as I was at the game, I thought about my pastor. My pastor grew up in Nebraska, so he's in South Dakota now. That's where I grew up. And he, uh, he would say, you know, Monty, Jesus is a Huskers fan. And I was like, really? I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. But uh, I'm like, well, how, I said, talk to me. How do you know Jesus is a Huskers fan? And he says, well, he says, let me ask you. In, in most Bibles, when Jesus is speaking, like what color are the words written in? And I said, red. He goes, all right, go big red. I'm like, okay, wow. GBR, you know? 
When I first moved to Nebraska two years ago, I saw a GBR on someone's license plate. And I remember thinking, you know, you try to spell it. I'm like, gabur, jabur, jabur. And buddy of mine's like, you're a moron. Okay, it, go big red, it stands for. And uh, I, I didn't, I'm not the smartest guy. But anyway, if you have a personalized license plate, by the way, if I have to use a decoder ring to figure it out, it's defeating the purpose, okay? Well, you're paying extra money for a license plate that no one even gets. I was behind a guy once, it was like BR, and then the letter H, and then RS. I'm like, B-R-A-T-R-C, I mean, I was trying to, I was following this guy around, trying to decode what it, I have no idea. If, I mean, I just, stop wasting your money, okay? Okay, I got off track. So Matthew 9. So what is the end game, Jesus? Listen to this story. It starts out by saying Jesus was traveling through the neighborhoods, through the towns and villages, teaching in synagogues, announcing the good news, it says, to, about the kingdom. What's the good news? Well, he's the good news. Jesus is here now in the flesh. The Savior of the world has arrived. So he's proclaiming the good news, healing people, literally. I'm talking healing them of disease and illness. They knew something about this man was different. Something is different with this guy. When he saw the crowds, it says Jesus had compassion because they were confused and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, or in the context of the, the series, like, like, like a team without a coach. Like they, they were confused, they were lost. And Jesus, listen to what he says to the disciples. This is nuts. He says, The harvest is great, you guys, you gals, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. And ask him to send more workers into the field. That's what Jesus told them to pray. That's what Jesus told them to do. So let me, let me give you some context. The harvest is people. That's what he's talking about. He's saying that the people are all around. He, remember, he looked at them. They, he had compassion. They're all jacked up. They're messed up. And Jesus is like, they're out there. Okay? But the workers are few. But the people are confused and they're scared and they're hurting. Man, I wonder who here today can relate to just those words. Walked in here with a dysfunction going on in your life, with a secret or a sin or a loneliness or a pain or a regret, I'll, I'll say to you, welcome home. If this is, plus, if this is your first time at Meadows Church, welcome home. Man, you are, not only are you welcome here, you are wanted here. I'll tell you that every weekend, God has something for you, just like, just like Jesus had something for them. So, but but Jesus', is, Jesus is response to them kind of struck me funny. Like, I get Jesus says, okay, so pray to God. God's in charge of the harvest. Who's in charge? God. So Jesus says, pray to the Lord. Okay, I, I'm, I'm tracking Jesus. He's in charge of the harvest. Yep, God's in charge. But then I, I would think Jesus would say, okay, God's in charge. Well, God, if you're in charge, go get the harvest. Go help the people. Go guide them. Get them back on the right track. Bring them in. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says something kind of strange, I think. He says, okay, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the field. So Jesus here is showing us and teaching us that God wants to do his work, but he does it through the workers. He does it through the church. He does it through you and I. And I love that Jesus didn't say, send more people into the field. He didn't say people, he said workers. There's a difference. There's a difference. You ever know somebody just to show up? There's, there's people who just show up and there's people who do the work. Okay, I'll, I'll be vulnerable. I'll tell you one of my first jobs was babysitting my neighbor's kids. This is my first non-labor job. I mean, I had jobs on the farm, picking rock, 
pulling weeds, hauling bales. I was abused as a child. Did you know that? It was amazing. Ah, oh, it's terrible. So, but once we moved from the farm, we moved to town, and I got to babysit my neighbors. And they had two young boys. And the first time I go to the neighbor's house, I show up, right? I showed up for work. They're like, hey, glad you're here, you know, cupboards, help yourself to whatever you want, TV's in there, watch whatever. Uh, I said, well, where are the two boys? And they said, well, they're sleeping. I said, oh, <laughs> sounds like a pretty good deal. So I'm like, cool. So they left, and I did the first thing anything would, anybody would do. I started going through all their drawers and stuff and looking for stuff and whatever. I go through the cupboards. I find all kinds of great food that we don't have at our house. So I'm eating food, eating Lucky Charms, eating uh, um, ice cream that's not just vanilla at my house, but they had cookies and cream and Rocky Road. And I go into the living room, and I turn the TV on, and they got not just a few channels, but they had cable TV, and not just cable TV, but they had HBO, and not just HBO, but they had HBO After Dark. And I was like, dang. Ah, whoa, 13, I don't know, doing some things I probably shouldn't have been looking at, but you know what? I didn't know Jesus then, so today's different. And I'm there, and the boys are great, they're sleeping, and, the, and I pass out. I, 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 I must have had an ice cream overload. I, I was sleeping on the couch when the parents got home. They didn't even care. They weren't mad at me. They were throwing money at me saying, hey, we'll do this again. I'm like, yeah, let's do this again. This is all right. Next time my babysat, same thing. It was like easy money. Third time wasn't easy money. Third time, the kids weren't sleeping when I got over there. Then I realized these kids do have demons, and they were wild, and they were crazy, and they're running all over, and they want to eat ice cream, and they want to eat cereal, and they want to watch HBO after dark. Well, that ain't happening, okay? That ain't happening. But they, they didn't go to sleep, and I didn't, I didn't get a nap, and it was rough, and I got paid the same amount of money, and I got home, and I'm, next day I wake up, and I'm complaining to my mom. I said, Mom, listen, this is how it all went down. These kids were just, just out of control and this and that. My mom's like, well, you are getting paid to work. And I said, listen, mom, I'm not really looking for your opinion right now. I just, I'm just kind of sharing, okay? Just kind of venting. Gosh, you don't have to give me your opinion every time. But my mom, she kind of made a point. I just wanted to show up. Like, I just wanted to come and say, hey, yeah, let's get paid to do nothing. And I got used to it. Jesus is calling us to get in the game. Jesus is calling us to make an impact. That's what the entire series is about. What is the end game? People. Repeat after me. People matter. People matter. They matter. They matter. It's why we would start a church called Meadows. It's for people. The church in here, people out there. Jesus is saying they matter. And what Jesus is telling us today is we are the place. You are the place where someone's going to meet Jesus. You're it. You're it. And I'll show you this. But you're the place where people will meet Jesus. You're it. Like, you're the worker. You're the end game. If you're, a, listen to me, if you're a follower of Jesus, first of all, let me back up. If you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're questioning your faith, or you're questioning your belief, man, I'm so glad you're here. I'll say it again. I thank you for coming. Thank you for being here, for at least being open. And man, I'll do whatever again to walk with you. I'm not going to push anything on you. Um, Kool-Aid's in the back, though, so if you can drink that when you leave. I'm just kidding. So, it's uh, uh, <laughs> terrible, that Kool-Aid thing. It never gets old. Um, so, my wife told me, Monty, it's old. Stop doing it. Okay. So, uh, but if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm glad you're here. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you say, yeah, that's me, I believe in Jesus Christ, and I want to follow him, uh, make no mistake, your primary calling is to take the good news into the world. It is your primary calling, above nothing else. It is. And I wonder how many times in life that we go day by day, week by week, living our lives, doing our things, doing our hobbies, doing our activities, doing whatever, and that never scratches the surface of even us thinking about it. 
That's why this is our, this, that's why this is our wake up call. That's why this is our smelling salts moment of where God is getting our attention. Like that's your primary calling. Your secondary calling is how you do it. It might be through teaching. It might be being a doctor or a nurse or um, maybe even a student. Being a garbage collector, don't, don't matter. Don't matter how God wants to do it, but he wants to do it through you. He wants to do it through you. You're the place where someone's going to meet Jesus. You're the place where someone's going to meet Jesus. The harvest is great. The harvest is what? It's fruit. So the people are fruit. But you know what God's reminded me of recently? So many people in the world today, and some of you in here today, you believe you're rotten. You would say you're rotten fruit. You would say you're not worthy. You would say that, 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 that I mean, me in church, that's a joke. God doesn't want nothing to do with me. I say this because I used to feel this way. And the longer I've been walking with Christ, the more I can forget that's how people feel. But a woman last week reminded me that's how people feel. She was sharing her story with me, and she talked about sharing her faith. And the, and the person she was talking to said this to her. said, I've done so many things, they wouldn't want me there. They, the church. And then he said, uh, um, he gave the old cliche that maybe you've heard this before or thought it. If I ever walked into a church, I would explode into flames. And my, my thought is, listen, if the pastor hasn't internally combusted yet, you're probably safe. Because I've got issues. I don't know about you, but I've got problems. And I'm dysfunctional. And they, they give me the mic. So what does that tell you? So I, you just need to know that people out there, they're more receptive than you think they are. That's why we're doing a series next week starting called Hope of the World. People are desperate for hope. They're desperate for truth. They're desperate for love. But so many people feel so worthless because they keep making the wrong decisions. They keep going to that website. They keep hurting those people. They keep doing those same things over and over. And they think, God don't want nothing to do with me. I guarantee you, God wants everything to do with you. And I don't care how, how far down the rung you've gone. You've never gone too far down that God can't lift you back up. That's what he wants to do. That's what he's in the business of doing. That's what he did for a woman at the well one time. That's what leads us to our second story in this two-part story that God has for us today. From Matthew to John to John 4. Again, you can follow along in your, in your Bible if you're tracking. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen in a minute. I'll set it up for you. In John 4, uh, verse 36, I'll paraphrase a few verses before that to give you some context. Jesus meets a woman at a well. The woman would feel worthless. The woman would feel like she, no one wants nothing to do with her. Not just religious people or church people, but anybody. That's why this woman would go to the well in the heat of the day. She don't want to see anybody. She knows she's screwed up. She knows she's a sinner. She knows she's not walking anywhere close to what God wants. So she shows up for water. And who meets her? Well, it's the same guy who wants to meet you here today. Jesus. Jesus meets this woman. And he starts to have this conversation with her. And what's so amazing is this woman is so engaged with Jesus. Like she's just like something about this man. How he listens, how he loves. So he's she's talking to him and Jesus is talking to her. And Jesus is talking about living water. And if you drink this living water, you'll never go thirsty again. And she doesn't get it. She's like, I don't understand what you're saying. And then she says, you know, there, she goes, I think there's going to come a time when uh, the Messiah will be coming. And he'll answer all of our questions. And Jesus says it to her, one of the most dramatic statements you'll ever see in the Word of God. Jesus looks right at this woman and says, I am Messiah. I am him. I am the Savior. I am the one. This is what he says to the woman. 
What, so what's kind of comical is the disciples, of course, are trying to screw up the whole moment. They're gone getting food, and Jesus just delivers this dramatic, I am the Messiah, dun, dun, dun. And the disciples are in the background like, Jesus, we're back. We grabbed you a whopper. And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh, my disciples, they're trying to blow the whole thing. And Jesus is like, quiet, not now, not now. But the Bible says the disciples, they were shocked that Jesus was even talking to the woman. They were shocked. They're the closest followers of Jesus, and they don't even understand what he's doing. Like, Jesus, you know who she is? You know, you know where she was last night? You know who she's been with? You know what she's done? And Jesus says, I know exactly who she is. I know exactly what she's done. And that's exactly why I'm here, loving her the way that I'm loving her, because nobody else is doing it. And we as the church, we're called to be that person. You know what captivated this woman so much to Jesus? He loved her and listened in such a supernatural way. Like, Jesus cared about people nobody else cared about. It'd be so easy to, oh my gosh, they're that, and they're labeled this, I'm going to label you that. Jesus don't do that. He, he invites them in. All the misfits, all the rejects, all the ones that the world wants to discount, God, Jesus says, come to me, come to me. And this woman, she, you know what she did? So Jesus, she, Jesus has memory, he says, I'm the Messiah. She leaves her jug, her water jug at the well, the very thing she came for. She runs to the town where she's from, the Bible says, and starts telling everybody. Like, she can't shut up about Jesus. So she's doing that, and that's where we pick it up. So the disciples, remember, they brought back their whoppers. They're like, Jesus, we got some food. And Jesus says in verse 34, guys, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me, from finishing his work. We are in the end game, finishing the work. You know the saying, Jesus says, four months of between planting and harvesting. But I say, wake up. Say wake up. Wake up, Jesus says. Look around. The fields are ripe for harvest. And the harvesters are paid good wages. We think we come to know Christ and he's going to take joy from us. Oh gosh, I'm not going to have any fun in Jesus. You ain't seen nothing yet until you walk with him. You want to know true joy? You want to know true abundance? Step into life that he gives. I mean, you'll never go thirsty again. That's what he said. You're paid good wages. The fruit they harvest, he says it again, he spells it out. The fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy, say joy. Joy awaits both the planter and the harvester. What joy. We are the place where people are going to meet Jesus. And this, this woman, her story is so crazy because Jesus is nourishing her, right? So Jesus is nourishing the woman saying, I'm the Messiah. I love you. I care for you. And she's so, she's so attracted to what he's saying. She runs to the town and she goes from being nourished to nourishing others. And she changes the world. You mean Jesus changed the world? No. I mean she changed the world. She changed her neighborhood. She changed her town. The Bible says that. I don't think I have this on the screen, but you can look it up in John 4, 39. Many from the village believed because of the woman. That's what it says. That's what it says. I had to reread. I'm like, is that a typo? Because of the woman? You mean because of Jesus? Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Jesus started. It's, it's, it's Jesus in the center of it. But if that woman's not transformed and she's not obedient and she doesn't run back to her town spouting about Jesus... Are they ever saved? I don't know. I know that the Bible says they believe because of the woman. She was the place. She was the place where people met Jesus. So question, did the woman after she met Jesus at the well have it all figured out? No. 
Well, she's still a mess. Yep. Still a sinner. Yep. I didn't even hear her pray a salvation prayer. Nothing but Jesus. Nothing. She just left her water jug and ran. Nothing. Is she still broken? Yes. But I'm telling you, that is just one more story and one more proof in God's word that shows that he uses broken people to reach broken people. It's what he's in the business of doing. And I don't know about you, but there's pieces of me some days that are still messed up and broken. Okay, he's working on me just like I pray he's working on you. But this is a church where it's okay to not be okay. So if that describes you in an area of your life today, welcome home. This is your church. And if this isn't for you, I'll help you find one that is. Jesus didn't just die for Meadows Church. He died for his church. I'll do whatever I can to walk with you. But a church without broken people is a broken church. Some churches want, oh, everybody's going to be dressing up and looking great. I hope you dress up. I hope you look great. That's great. I hope you shower, Casey. I tell you every weekend, shower, Casey. Just shower. You know, it's important. But I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, Jesus changes people. But, but the moment we expect all perfect people to show up at the church, well, <laughs> I guarantee you, as soon as the pastor shows up, it's far from perfect. This is a broken church, but we serve a God who's not broken, who is perfect. And if you pursue him, he'll change your life. Why was she so attracted to Jesus? Why were lost people in general so attracted to Jesus, broken people? Is it because he compromised the word? No. If you read that story of the woman at the well in John 4, read it in its entirety this week. It'll take you seven minutes, maybe. Read it. He didn't compromise anything. He was straight up with her. He called her out on some stuff, but he did it in such love. He did it with such grace. He didn't water it down. He didn't water down the gospel. It was more real and raw than it's ever been. It was straight from the guy who is the gospel. But he did it in such a way that she, I mean, he listened like no one ever listened. He loved like nobody ever, ever loved. Like I told you, he cared about people that nobody else cared about. And it was so attractive to her that she couldn't stop telling people about it. Man, I'll talk to the person here today who feels broken. The person today who feels like she did. The person today who feels like you're too far that God can't bring you back, I'm telling you. Oh, God can relate. God can relate to where you're at. Jesus, Jesus has been there. He knows. It's, so, it's what's so powerful about what God is doing at Meadows. There's so many people walking with other people. Like, the, 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 the church is healthy when the, when the body of Christ, the people, minister to the people. It's, it's incredible. Like, Financial Peace University, if you've never done it, I hope you sign up today. It'll change your financial life, I promise you. But you know who's leading it? People that have gone through it. People that have maybe struggled in their finances, and they're going to walk with you. Not from up here, but from right here, together. Oh, pastor, I don't know. I've been through abuse. I've been through neglect. I've done bad things. Trust me. There's a person sitting five seats down from you that's probably done worse things. Now, there's people like counting. One, two, three. Oh, that guy's jacked up. Yes, anyway. So five or six, I don't know, behind you, in front of you, they're messed up, just like you. I don't know. I've had an abortion. I've had abortions. You know what? I'm guessing there's other women who've had them too in this church. We'll walk with you. We'll love you. This is a place where you can heal. This is a place where you can get set free. When people minister to people, but I've been, I've, been, I've been dumped, I've been hurt, other people have too. They'll walk with you. We'll love you. It's what life groups are all about. I'm just telling you, take it from a drug addict, a guy who was dead in his sin, lying to my wife, lying to my family, lying to my coworkers, lying to everybody, living a double life. Yeah, that was me. And I was dead. Dead. And the church, it was the, it was the power of the church in Jesus Christ that resurrected me. Nothing else could, I promise you. 
How do you know Jesus? I'm telling you, I know Jesus because I didn't cry out to any other God or any other Allah or Muhammad. I didn't cry. No, I cried out to Jesus Christ, thinking if you're a real God, you better show up because I'll be dead tomorrow. And he showed up. So I'm telling you, if there's hope for a guy like me, there's tremendous hope for you. But I found hope through God in his church. That's where I found the hope. That's why we believe. Say, we believe. We believe, the church believes that through God, your life can get better. We believe it. We believe suffering can be relieved. We believe it. We believe that oppression can be lifted, that sin can be defeated, that human lives can be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ because the one who's in you is greater than anything that you're going through. Anything. Anything. Man, that pastor spits a lot. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He's got problems. Told you, I was not okay. I'm not okay. So, <laughs> God is moving. So, let me give you a little, um, some context as I come to the tail end of our message. Meadows Church is almost 23 months old. God's, it, this is God's church. He is doing an amazing work. But, but God's doing it through the people. People wonder, why do churches, a lot don't make it, some do make it. I don't have it all, I don't have it all figured out. I just know when the church gets, gets in the game and starts doing what they're called to do, you, you won't stop that church from growing. You won't. You can't. Healthy things grow. It's automatic. You don't have to manufacture it. You, you don't have to, I mean, it's God is doing it through the people. That's why I'm so proud of this church. It's why I'm so amazed. Like last weekend, a weekend that we're still technically in summer last weekend, and we set a record in attendance. And I'm like, God, you're so good. Last weekend, we baptized 25 people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Last weekend, four more people gave their lives to Jesus Christ in our church. Yeah, can you get a little louder than that? I just said four people gave their lives to Jesus. This is why we do what we do. We got to wake up. God, you're doing an amazing work. But yet God talked to me last weekend. Oh my gosh. So we're at the baptism. We're done with it. And uh, I'm thinking, okay, we're done. This is awesome. God, you're amazing. And a woman comes up to me. Pastor, can I have a few minutes? I said, yeah, sure. What's up? And I recognized her because she was a first time guest last weekend at the nine o'clock service. But what was weird was when she was talking to me, I thought, I thought, wait a minute. Weren't you sitting like right over there at the 11 o'clock? She's like, yeah. I said, well, you were at the 9 o'clock too? She's like, yeah. I'm like, dang. Did you not have a ride home or what happened? <laughs> you know? said, but she goes, no, no. She goes, I, she, she goes, Pastor, you don't understand something. Last weekend was one of the greatest days of my life. Last Sunday. She, she said, oh, by the way, she recommitted her life to Jesus Christ last weekend too. So you can, you can give God one more. Here's what she told me. She said, Pastor, I moved four years ago from the East Coast here. All, grew up with faith. Wasn't some law, you know, whatever. Grew up with faith. Wanted to plug into a church, but never did. You know how it is. We get busy. You get off a routine. You get out of track, and it's hard to get back on track. Well, she didn't get back on track, and her life reflected it. And she said, Pastor, my life the last four years has done this. And you go down far enough. Talk to a drug addict like me. You go down far enough. You'll, you'll get receptive real good to something that's different. God will get your attention one way or another. That's how he got mine. And he had hers. And she said, every time I would drive by Meadows Church, I would see the flags, and I would see your host dream team out there. These guys out there, and they're, they're vast, and they're waving. They're always real happy. It's like, I don't know what you give them for drugs, but they're always really happy. It's like, it's Kool-Aid, remember? So they're, it's, but they're waving. And she's like, every time they wave at me, I knew God was like, get in there. But she couldn't do it. She just didn't do it. You know, life gets in the way. 
So she wouldn't do it or couldn't do it or whatever, but kept driving by and seeing the signs and the guys and all this. So check this out. What got her there last weekend? Those, the host team planted the seed. It starts with planting. You got to plant. The host team had no idea what God was doing. I'll guarantee you how you love somebody, how you, how you pour into somebody, God is doing something that you don't know. And you may never see the benefits until you get to heaven someday, but I'm telling you, anytime you love outside of yourself, you are planting seeds. You're planting seeds. They were planting seeds. They had no idea who she even was. They're just waving at cars, being happy. Well, she gets invited by a gal and then finally says, okay, gosh, I'm driving by. And then she invites me to that exact church. Okay, I'm going to go. Well, she goes last weekend and she was transformed. Transformed. Like she, I could, she just sat there talking to me. And as she's talking to me after the baptism, listen to this. This is what the girl who invited her is still there. She walks up to our conversation and she says, Pastor, isn't it amazing? And I said, yeah, this is crazy. I mean, she was attending both services, went to the baptism. She's serving at the baptism. She, she, we just met her like two hours ago. This is nuts. But she's all over it. And the woman who invited her, here's what she said. She goes, isn't it crazy how I invited her and I got baptized today? And the woman who invited me, she got baptized today. And the woman who invited her, she got baptized today. And I'm like, what God is doing in his church. And the woman, she, the one who came last week for the first time, she wanted to get baptized. She goes, I got my jeans on and everything. I said, who cares? I was ready to throw her right in the cattle tank. I said, let's do this. Let's just do it. She, it was amazing. But, but I, she, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't catch that domino effect. The woman changed them. It's because of the woman's belief, Bryce, that, that, that the town was changed. It's because of her that she got baptized. It's because of her that she got baptized. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I look at our church now, and there's, I'll, I'll be honest with you, there are pockets of people in our church that are inviting like crazy. Like that woman who got invited, the woman who invited her, she's on fire. But, but there's, a, there's, a, there's a common thread in that. And it's one that I want to kind of push back on. The people that are most on fire for Jesus and, and, and do the most talking and inviting and sharing their faith are generally the ones who are newest to the church or they've recently maybe given their life to Christ or made a step. That was, that was my story. Yeah, I could not shut up about Jesus when I first met him. When he saved me from addiction, I mean, it took a couple of drug rehabs, a lot, of, a lot of work and a lot of prayer and a lot of prayer warriors, but I couldn't shut up about it. But today, I don't know if, I don't know if you could say that about me. And I was convicted. I'm like, dang it. You guys are on fire. And I'll tell, I'll tell you something. The longer that you walk with Jesus, the harder it seems to be to fuel that fire. We forget about the harvest. We forget, we, we, and that's what the devil wants. Just forget, they're fine. Other people that are on fire will reach them. She'll invite her and she'll invite her. What about us? What about you? What about me? God's calling us to do something. I'm the place where someone's going to meet Jesus. And so are you. So God is like convicting me, the pastor. I'm like, dang it. I got to get, uh, I, wanna, I want this to be contagious for everybody. How can we get this fire of the Holy Spirit? Can't manufacture it. God does it. But we need to look at his word and what people did and how he changes people. Those women have been transformed. Oh my gosh. And we, but we wait sometimes for the perfect, well, I don't know if it's the right time. I'll tell you, it may never be the right time. It, it, if you wait, so God shows me Ecclesiastes 11.4, one verse. Farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. I don't want to wait anymore, you guys. We get one shot in this world to make a difference. One shot. 
And the older I get, the more I know it's a quick trip. It is a quick trip. It takes faith to sow seed. But we got to do it because when we're faithful, we're going to be fruitful. I'm going to say that again. When you're faithful, you're going to be fruitful. Faith equals fruit. It's automatic. And the only reason we're not being faithful is maybe because of fear. People are more hungry than they've ever been. Oh, I don't know. Inviting them to church is kind of overstepping the boundaries. I guarantee it's not. I guarantee you they are way more receptive than you think they are. I guarantee you. So I get a fire in me this week because I'm thinking, God, I want to I be like her. I want, I want to be like her. Lives are changing in that group. I want that for all of us. So Jake, my son, 11 years old, we go for a walk this week. We're, rock, we're walking our dog, Rudy, and we just walk around the block. It's like 9 o'clock at night. But I'm like, let's go for a walk, and I'm talking to Jake, and it's interesting. So I'll walk around the block. You'd think it'd take, what, 10 minutes? Not with us, because our dog, Rudy, uh, he likes to lift his leg and pee every, every 13 steps. It's amazing. I don't get like Like, nothing's coming out. I'm like, Rudy! And then somebody said, oh, he's just marking his territory. Well, he must think he owns the whole freaking county because we're, this isn't ending. I don't even get it. Man, that dog. He's got the life, though. Um, we're walking, and we get halfway around the block, and there's another couple that just moved into our neighborhood. And they're walking the other way, and they got three dogs, so our dogs collide, and it's like World War III. It was awesome. And we start having this conversation. And I knew, I said, okay. I'm the pastor, lead by example. And all you have to do is start a conversation and it comes up. It's, it's so easy, but I sometimes I lose sight. So I'm talking and I'm asking them about them. And where, you know, where, are you, where are you from? What'd you move for? All this stuff. And they say, oh, you moved here two years ago. Yeah, what are you doing? And I said, oh, we moved here to start a church. And the guy said, oh, you're the pastor. And I immediately thought, what'd you hear? <laughs> you know, uh, maybe I am and maybe I'm not. <laughs> so... Um, you know how he knew I was the pastor? Because he says, what church are you with? And I said, Meadows. And he said, there's a couple of, uh, that live right around the block that has invited us. And I'll tell you what, I, I, and I was like, I don't know. God's doing something. It, it melted my heart to think that our church, God, I, I just want us to know, first off, you're hurting or suffering. God wants to meet you here today. Secondly, one invite card on your chair. My prayer is that it will go out this week into the hands of somebody who needs hope. You, we're not pushing religion. Gee, I, I, I hate religion. I'll say it out loud. Could care less about it. I want people to know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. It's way different than religion. Way different. Way different. Why do we do what we do? Some people will say that only the elect are going to get in. Jesus only died for certain people. Okay, that's, that's not true. In fact, I made a flag just for that. Casey's it over there. Ashley. I haven't brought this flag out for a while. So, could get me in trouble, but I don't think so. So, I, I did use this in a series. This is my BS flag. So, I think everybody needs... That's not right, Monty. This is my BS flag. A little wrinkly. I was using it for a sweat rag, too. So, this is my BS flag. See, if someone ever tells you that Jesus died for certain people or you're too far gone or they're too much of a mess, you, you call BS on them. 
And I, I, I want to make these Bryce. Bryce is part of our graphics team. Can you make these? Make, I, want to, I want official BS flags. I'm going to give them to all these guys. You'll use them at your work. Use them with your kids. My wife Jody, my wife Jody will be like, Pastor, or not, she'll call me Pastor. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. It could be fun. I don't know. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. God, I repent. I repent. <laughs> wow. Mm. Got to regroup here. My wife will say, Monty, Dairy Queen is better than Coldstone. And I'll be like, Jody, that's BS. And I got to throw the flag at her. People will tell me, Monty, if you go to a Huskers game, traffic won't be that bad. BS, I got to throw the flag at you. I got to throw the flag at you. This BS flag is huge. I'm gonna, we're going to make these. These are awesome. You, and you know what BS stands for, don't you? Right? Bogus statement, right? What were you thinking? What were you? Uh, pray for you. Bogus statement. My gosh, this is a church, people. Jesus Christ died for all people. Let's get straight up. All people. All people. Say all people. Broken people. Hurting people. Addicted people. Depressed people. Lost people. Depressed people. Lost people. Again, I got to go back to lost people. My gosh, can I tell you something? As long as there's one lost person in our community, this church will never stop reaching out with the love of Jesus Christ ever. Because they matter to God. And if they matter to God, they matter to us. This is the gospel. So, I'll close by telling you that Jesus Christ... In fact, I was talking to a woman out there, and we talked about the Bible. And we're, we're talking about the Bible, and I said, you know what? Becoming a Christian hinges on one event. You've heard me say this before if you've come for a few times. It's one event. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You might be here today, and you're wrestling with the Bible, and you're wrestling with this story or that story. It's okay. Keep wrestling. Keep chewing on it. I believe it all. I'll preach it all. But, but you just do your walk. But if you can believe in an event, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, sent from God down to earth as a human being born in a manger, living 33 years to die on a cross. If you can believe that, and you believe that he was dead and then alive three days later, you can be saved. Christianity is based on one event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If that didn't happen, there is no church. There is no Christianity. We can pack it up and go home. I'm telling you, I know it happened. And maybe you're a science person. Do the research. Do it. I beg you. It'll point to it. I promise you. It's a fact. But I don't say it because the book said it. I don't say it because it's the theological correct thing to say. I say it because I was a dead man. Dead. And I, cry, I cried out and I called out the name of Jesus Christ. And I don't remember everything. And it was work. It wasn't just like, oh, it's all great. No, it was hard. But he saved me. He saved me and he wants to save you. Maybe you're here today and you've never sold out to him. You believe in him like I did growing up. As I went to Catholic grade school, I've always believed in Jesus. I've never doubted it. There was one day I surrendered to him though and that's what changed everything. See, the devil believes. Demons believe. Okay? It can't stop there. You've got to surrender. Surrender everything and say, God, you call on his name. The Bible says you call on the name of Jesus. You will be saved. 
And he will enter into you if you ask him. And he'll forgive your sins. And he'll make you new. And you won't be perfect, but he'll start to do some work in you. And you might not change immediately, but I promise you'll change eventually. I promise. Because Jesus Christ changes everybody he meets. He always has. And he always will. Because that's what he does. So, call on his name if you've never done it. Surrender to him today. Choose it. Secondly, I hope you invite. We are going to blow up this series, Hope of the World. We are going to get bold about our faith. And God's going God's to do what only God can do. But I'll tell you something. It takes faith. Say faith. Faith. It takes faith to prepare the soil. It takes faith, say faith, faith to plant the seed. It does. But our God, our God has promised a harvest. Okay? And the Bible says in Galatians, let's not get tired of doing what is good. For at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So I came here to declare to somebody in this place who walked in here wanting to give up in an area of your life, don't you do it. Don't you give up. Because God is doing something in you. And if you will do what you can do, your God will do what you cannot do. I need someone to give God praise for 10 seconds. I can't hear you. I said I can't hear you. Come on, somebody. He wants to resurrect somebody. He wants to change somebody. I want change. I don't want to show up. Listen to me. You came to church on a weekend where it'd be easy to, you know what? We're busy. Long vacation or long weekend. Out of town, whatever. But you're here. Why are you here? It's not by accident. I'm so proud of you for being here. God wants to do something in you. Don't leave here until you let him do that. Don't leave here until we pray with you. Let us do that. Do whatever he's telling you to do, and I promise you will not regret it. Let me pray for you. Father, mm, boy, um, it is the end game. I've been guilty of living life like I have tomorrow. Like it's a guarantee, so I repent, God. I've got friends who are gone. I've got people younger than me who are gone. Every one of these should be a stark reminder for me and everybody here that tomorrow is not a guarantee. Today is the day. Today is the end game. And in the end game, people matter. First and foremost, I'm praying in your name, Father, that everybody in this place knows they matter to you. Knows that you died for them. But also know that they have to call on your name. You died for everybody, but not everybody knows you. Not everybody's going to spend forever with you. That's very clear. So there's something that's up to us. The Bible says that when we believe by our faith, it's through our faith when we believe and we, God, we give it to you. And you come into us. I want that for people in this place today, that they'll surrender everything to you, God. We give it to you like that woman, like that woman who was dramatically transformed and five minutes later, others are being transformed through her. Oh my gosh, what you wanna do through your people, how you wanna use somebody. 
They might have came here just for them. You want to change them and then use them to change the world. That's what you're in the business of doing. God, I pray that we'll be a church that never forgets that people matter to you. We're not, we're not, we didn't come here to like build some big church. We want to be some big church. No, we came here to show people a big God. He'll build his church. But he wants to use us to do it because we're the place where people are going to meet you, Father. We are that place. We are that person. We love you. We thank you. And I'm going to say it. And I'll never stop saying it, God. We'll never stop declaring that in you, in your good news, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody says, amen.